Hello and welcome to the ICANN Community Church Podcast with me, your host, Bishop Wayne Malcolm. ICANN Community Church is situated in London's East End and comprises a youthful and diverse congregation. For details, visit our website, www.icancommunitychurch.com. But now, join us in one of our live services where I'm teaching transformational truths from the Bible. John chapter number four, John four. Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, give me a word that will bring new life. Words on the wings of the morning My dark night will fade away If you speak to my heart now John John 4 verse 19 and following The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet Our fathers worshipped in this mountain And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship. Worship him in spirit and in truth. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. So I'm going to speak into our collective destiny uh, from the subject the place of worship. The place of worship. And I'm going to entitle it, I'm going to, I'm going to subtitle it, uh, or I'm going to alter the title to Your Place of Worship. Your Place of Worship. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Bishop's going to talk about your place of worship. Then I want you to slip a hand up to God, slip up your antennas to God, and let's ask the Holy Spirit for the mind of Christ. Yes, Lord, and yes, Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit, now more than ever before, we need your presence, your power. We need purpose and destiny. We need direction. We need strategies. We need solutions. We need to know you. We need to to enjoy the connection, draw from the connection, benefit from the connection. And we want to meet you in this place today. Be glorified, magnified, exalted in the word. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. And all the people said amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you to our band. Amen. The place of worship. So if you're familiar with the story, um, Christ has been witnessing, so to speak, to the woman at the well. And the woman at the well met Christ. He asked her to give him a drink. She said, 
how is it that you, being a Jew, is asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Okay? He said, if you knew who was speaking to you, you would ask me for the drink. And the water that I give you will be in you a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. So the conversation proceeded and Jesus told her a few things about herself that he couldn't possibly have known but by revelation. And she concluded, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Of course, she didn't know anything about the Son of God. She didn't know anything about God incarnate. She didn't know anything about the Word made flesh. She just, well, since you have these powers of knowledge, you must be a prophet. So since I've got an audience with a prophet, let's resolve a theological issue because I've grown up with this issue and I'd like to hear from a prophet. So here's the issue. She said, you Jews say that God should be worshipped in Jerusalem. We Samaritans say he should be worshipped in the mountain. Tell me, where should men worship? Where should men worship? The question is, where is where is the true place of worship? And I think that's a big question, not just then, but now. Find people searching for a place of worship. So I, you know, I don't really go anywhere at the moment. I'm just looking. What are you looking for? I'm looking for a place of worship. Jesus answers her that the hour is coming, and now is, means the hour is coming and it has already begun, that you will neither in Jerusalem or in the mountain worship the Father. Because God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what Jesus did was, he said, look, the place of worship is not physical. God is spirit, therefore worship is spiritual. It is a spiritual activity. The place of worship is not physical, it is spiritual. And if you find the place of worship spiritually, it won't matter where you are physically. Thank you. And I think we obsess about the physicality and the aesthetics of our place of worship. Whereas if I'm to read Jesus right, you can be in a house of worship, but not in the place of worship. The fact that you're in a house of worship doesn't mean that you're in the place of worship. And the fact that you're in the place of worship doesn't necessarily mean you're in a house of worship. Because your place of worship is spiritual. And in that respect, a house of worship may be useful for other things like fellowship, edification, exhortation, learning, networking, growth, all of that. Fantastic. But it is only useful in the matter of worship 
if it helps you find the spiritual place of worship. When you're in the place of worship, guaranteed, you are guaranteed that God will meet you there. And the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. It really means that once you are in the place, the spiritual place of worship, you will meet God there. You will have an encounter with God there. You will not leave the place the way you arrived. There will be a glow on your countenance. And the power that is in him will be available to you. The miracles that are in him will become available to you. His super will become your natural if you find the place of worship. And sometimes to find the spiritual place of worship, you have to close your eyes. Sometimes. Because the physical place can be distracting. Isn't that right? Sometimes the physical place is helpful. Other times it's distracting. Sometimes the music is helpful, but other times it's distracting. And, and we must not confuse the physical actions of dancing, singing, and clapping to the act of worship which requires a spiritual location, a spiritual address, a spiritual place. I think we all know that we can sing the songs and not be singing from a place of worship. I think we know that we can dance the dance because there are, there are specific church dances. You, you understand how that works, right? You can dance the dance and not be coming from a place of worship. So, so that week after week, of attending the house of worship and never finding the place of worship generates frustration and disillusionment ultimately because though I'm coming to the house, I'm never meeting the owner of the house. I'm never meeting God. So I'm just the same person uh, going through a routine and through emotion. And how many of you know that the routine can change today? Like it can be very different as of today. Simply understanding that the true place of worship is a spiritual location. That if I find that spiritual place of worship, then I will meet God. There is no doubt I will meet God. God will meet me in, in very favorable ways and transformation will happen. It will happen. So... I want to help us find the place. I'm going to kind of give the address for the spiritual place of worship. And to start with, we must understand that worship is derived from the idea of worth-ship. Worth-ship. So we worship him who is worthy of our devotion. You have to deem something worthy in order to worship it. You have to think of it as worthy in order to worship it. And to think of it as worthy, it means that you are crediting it with your life or with whatever it is you love about your life. You're crediting that and therefore it is worthy and you express its worth to you in your worship. It's an expression of worth. Ooh. 
an expression of worth. So suppose that it now comes down to what is God worth? And it's sometimes hard to calculate God's worth in his presence. It's often easier to calculate his worth in his absence. And we kind of understand this with people that, you know, uh, until they're gone, we just didn't realize how much of a part they played in our life. Does that make sense? We sometimes realize worth in absence more than we do in presence because we take presence for granted. That right? We take presence for granted. We take so much for granted. I'll, I'll never forget. And, and this is a you know this is this is a side story, but it's a useful story. Pray that I get back to my point. But this the story is that I went horse riding once. I was horse riding, and I don't know what possessed me to go horse riding, but I was horse riding with uh, with with some friends, and for some reason the owner of the 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 stables looked at me and said, "Yes, I've got just the right horse for you." biggest horse that he had so I don't know if I needed a a crane to get up there but I eventually got up on this horse and then we went off galloping he taught us various things to trot how to move with the horse when you trot and then he took us into the gallop and I was enjoying the gallop and as I was galloping along on the horse like a fool I said yeehaw big mistake big mistake because the guy at the front, we were going through a trail, this was in another country, we were going through this forest type trail, the guy at the front said, yeehaw, okay, let's do it, let's do it, yeah, yeah, and the horses just took off. Now the horse took off, and at the same time that I dropped the, uh, the reins, I dropped the reins, and the horse has taken off, so now I'm grabbing hold of the saddle, and I'm grabbing hold of the saddle, and while the leaves are just just slashing me in the face and branches and just trying to get the attention of the guy at the front that I'm not enjoying myself anymore. We need to stop and I cannot stop this horse. I'm holding on for my dear life. And when we finally stopped and I got off the horse, all of this part of my hand was grazed. All the skin had come off of this part of my hand, okay, where I'm holding on for my life. And you would think that this part of your hand... You know, I can live with it, right? Till I got to church that night. And I walked into the church. I said, praise the Lord, brother. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, this insignificant part of my anatomy is now so significant. And I would never have thought that it played such a big role in my life outside of it being gone. And so when you're calculating God's worth, sometimes you have to imagine what would my life be like without God on my side? This is good preaching, Bishop. Where would I really be if God were not on my side? Hmm? You think of some of the things you've been through, which are just part of life. Life's journey, right? Life happens to us. 
and it doesn't just happen to us because we're Christians. It happens to everyone. But for some reason, you survived the things that were thrown at you in life, and you've gone on to become relatively well-adjusted. You've kept your sanity, your health, whatever it is you've kept. What if God were not on your side when you were facing those things? What if you never had God to pray to, to talk to, to comfort you, to give you a word? What if you never had God? If you never had God... Um, well, let's just say that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous would have a lot more uh, people to deal with. You know, uh, Bernardo's would have a lot more people to deal with. Let me think about where would I be without God? And these things now begin to give you a sense. Of, see, the worship starts coming automatically. The minute you start thinking, hold on a second, if it had not been the Lord who was on my side, okay? As you start thinking about those things, you are now arriving. You're beginning to arrive at the place called worship. It's a spiritual place. Starts with recognition of worth, God's worth to me. Um, could I cope without God? Would I even be breathing without God? Would I, would I be who I am without God? And who would I be without him in my life? So rather than wait for you know, something unfortunate to happen and, and, and you can't find him, you know, uh, let's appreciate him now. Let's, let's, let's sometimes, sometimes you have to let those people who, whose life you value, you have to let them know how valuable they are uh, while they're there and, and not, not become the person that's, that, that has only limited it to when they've gone. Right. So uh, how many of you, if God has been, is God is good to you, if he's worth it all to you now, just we'll take a minute. We're going to give him a hand clap and just let him know that we value his presence in our lives. I value your presence in my life. I don't want you to leave at any point. Whoa. Hallelujah. I value your presence in my life. Now, I'm not sure if you know, but there's a difference in your hand clap. I'm not sure if you realize that, that you're clapping with a little bit more meaning. There's meaning to the clap. You value. I value your presence in my life. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, this is so exciting. This is so exciting. So, we credit him with so much. Another word for credit is glory. We... We give him the glory. When we give something the glory, we're giving them the credit. And when we recognize that we exist by him, we are saved by him, we are loved by him, then we give him the glory, we give him the credit, and we do it in, very, in a multiplicity of ways. We, we, do it, uh, we do it in a multiplicity of ways, but we do it for for a fundamental reason. Now, are you ready for us to go deep now? Okay, so this is, this is deep. This is simple yet profound. Some people worship from a circumstantial place. What do I mean by circumstantial place? I mean, things are going all right. I'm so grateful to God. Yeah, I'm grateful. I got the new job. <laughs> Praise God. I'm oh, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I got the new thing, I've met the right person, I got all these things happening, praise God, hallelujah. 
Right. That is not the place of worship. Okay? It's a good place in terms of gratitude, but it's not the place of worship. Because the place of worship is a place of gratitude, not for anything that God is doing or for anything that he's about to do. The true place of worship is a place of gratitude for what he has already done. Now, this is deep. This, this, this is deep. Because any failure to realize what he has already done will create barriers between you and whatever else he wants to do. And we know this is true from our own human experience. Actually, we learn a lot about God by just looking at ourselves. We are not inclined to do more for anyone who hasn't fully acknowledged what we have already done. Just think about it. As people, we, we are actually, we are offended by ingratitude, by an ungrateful spirit. Uh, particularly if you make a sacrifice to give something to someone else and they, they fail to appreciate your sacrifice. They fail to appreciate your kindness. They perhaps operate with a sense of entitlement like you owe that to me anyway. When people give off that air, that atmosphere, that, that, that arrogance, we are less inclined to give them anything else. And when they ask for something else, we are more inclined to remind them that, look, I already gave you something and, and I'm still waiting for a heartfelt thank you or for some expression of gratitude for what has already been done. In fact, we are so offended by ungratefulness that, that in some cases, even after we've given something, if that attitude of ingratitude comes up, we are tempted to grab it and take it back right away. Take it back right away. You know, which is why the way to, <laughs> the way to receive something is with gratitude and and. And not to complain straight away because it didn't meet all your criteria. So, look, you know, I, 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 I bought you these shoes. Thank you. Thank you so much. They're so nice. Thank you so much. That's great. You're probably going to get more shoes and more things down the road. But I bought you these shoes. Yeah, but they're green. I can't do nothing with green shoes. That's probably the last shoes you're ever going to see from that person ever again. Because you, you, you've not understood the dynamic of what's actually happening here. Somebody that didn't owe you anything gave you what was perhaps for them everything. And they did it not for the outfit. They did it as a statement of their intention, their heart, their love, their affection for you. And what you must receive is the intention, the affection, the love. You have to receive that first of all with gratitude and express, demonstrate how grateful you are. And when you receive it that way, you actually qualify for more more starts to happen I wish I had some help in here today so the, 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 rea the, the reality is that that there are two types of believer in here today God help now I'm gonna I'm gonna split us up right now 
But, but though I'm drawing a line through the church today, you get to decide which side of the line you want to be on. You get to decide where you're going to move. But I found almost everywhere that I go, there are two groups in any church. There is, there is the group that is satisfied with what God has done already. They have faith in what I'm going to call the finished work. The finished work. I'm, I'm, we're going to go into it. The finished work. And they are satisfied with what God has already done. So that anything else is a bonus. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You know, what God has already done is so satisfying to me that anything else is a bonus. Therefore, whether I get the other thing or not, he's still worthy. Woo! <laughs> and this, these are not circumstantial people because they have already decided that what he has done is so significant, it is so much more than I could have deserved, it is so massive that I am grateful right here. And if he does nothing else for me, this was enough. Therefore, I'm going to praise him with or without a new car. Wish I had some help in here today. If I find the partner or not, I'm still going to give him the glory because what he done over here is enough. Again, you get to choose what side of the line you want to be on. Then there are people on the other side who, for whom what he has already done is not enough. And until you also do these other things, you are not truly worthy of my worship. And so what they have done is they've made the worship conditional on their circumstances. The worship is going to be dictated by the circumstances, conditional to the circumstance, and they have got, they think they have a gun to God's head that says, you know what, you're going to do these things for me, right, or else, not only will I sit, fold my arms, and do nothing in terms of worship, uh, I ain't even going to come to your house. Yeah, there, so we're the, there, there, okay? We think about that, right? Okay, so you're either going to give me all the things that I need or I'm not even going to come to your house. In fact, I'll never talk about you. In fact, in fact, I don't even know. I don't even know what I believe anymore. Hmm. 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 I don't know what religion I am. This is whatever religion works for me. And these people over here are typically very frustrated because because what you're practicing on this side is performance based religion performance-based religion and performance-based religion comes in many shapes and sizes and it comes in many packages and colors but it essentially says i need to do something to get god to do something for me and and if i do this he will do that so i i'm looking for some things to happen and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, and he's going to do that. Uh, even when it comes to going to heaven, like it to shock you how many people in church don't know if they're going to heaven. They are the most frightened people on the plane. Christians. The plane hits the turbulence. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they go to a theme park. They get on the ride. Watch them, the Christians. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
After all these years in church, I don't even know if I'm forgiven. I don't know if there's mercy. I don't know if there's grace. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. He's just living in doubt and misery because everything about them is based on, everything is based on performance. And, um, and yet on the other side, these people who are satisfied with what God has done, they actually realize that there is nothing, nothing you could ever do to pay for one of your sins, let alone the millions you have committed and the hundreds of thousands you will commit between now and the day you expire. You couldn't do anything to pay for one of them. Yet here's someone over here who qualified to take them away. He took them away in one single act at the cross of Calvary and his last words were it is finished. So he finished the matter. He settled the matter. He purchased eternal salvation and redemption for us in his one sweeping go and sin was the only thing separating us from God so he took away whatever was separating us from God and he did it in one single act right over here which means now even over here i am not actually trying to get god to do something for me this is this is where we start to get deep now and look at me now i am not trying to get god to do anything for me i'll tell you why because there's nothing god's going to do for me that he hasn't already done for me so since it's already done then actually it's awaiting my realization. It's awaiting my awakening. It's awaiting my consciousness. Woo, God help us to go deeper here today. It, it's awaiting for my revelation. And, and often to see something differently, I have to move, okay? But by moving, you see the difference is over here, people are moving to create something that doesn't exist. Over here, I'm moving to see something that he told me already exists. So therefore, I'm, I'm not trying to create favor. I'm actually moving so I can see the favor that has already been created for me. Is this making sense? Really, really important to know that actually what we call a move of God God is not a move of God. He has no need to move. It is really a move of you. And as you move, you will see God from different perspectives or you see sides of God that you couldn't that you wouldn't have seen staying in the same position. So, I am not moving in order to get God to love me. He has said that he loves me. He has proven that he loves me, but I can't see it in every area of my life. So, I'm moving so that I can see it. I'm making an adjustment psychologically, lingually linguistically sometimes so that I can experience something that he says is already there. See, this is what I love about revelation. You see, revelation doesn't create anything in the room. Turning on the light doesn't create the furniture in the room. Turning on the light lets you see what was in the room in the first place. This is good. This is good. So the difference is I have walked in through Jesus the door into a room that I trust and know has everything in it that I could ever possibly need. That he has already given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That he's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That he's made a full provision for every episode, junction, turn in my life. That it's all in here. It's furniture in the house. But the house is dark and why I need a preacher is to turn on a light for me 
Because when the light comes on, I will see what was already waiting for me. At, come on now. So, so I am not now trying to get God to love me. Woo. Not trying to get God to favor me. I'm not trying to get God to heal me because he said the healing is in the room. So the healing is in the room. So switch on. Oh, there's the There's the healing, which is quite different to being over here saying, well, I'm sick because, because I haven't been the person I need to be. And if I could be the person I need to be, then maybe God would, God would heal me. God would do it for me. You know, I'm, 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 I'm broke right now because, because I am not pleasing to God in some way. And if I could just be pleasing to God in some way, then maybe he will consider me and bless me with an opportunity. That's called performance-based religion. It doesn't bring any peace to your, to, to your life. And it doesn't help you to really worship God because he's not really worthy in your deep subconscious. Actually, He's the one that's holding you back. He's the one that's making you sick. He's the one that's making you poor, teaching you a lesson, giving you a good beating for the way that you've behaved. So it's hard to worship a God that you don't like fundamentally. But see, on the other side, I believe that, that everything I could ever want or need, he made the provision for it. Now, we're going somewhere today. And all it is is my adjustment is allowing me to see to conceive, to comprehend, to come into consciousness that healing is mine, that prosperity is mine, that deliverance is mine, that happiness is mine, that it's mine because he already gave it to me. It's not mine because I deserved it. No, because this is called saved by grace. Everyone say, by grace. grace. Say, grace makes. Grace. Say, faith takes. One more time. Grace makes faith takes i love it what it means is that faith only takes what grace has already made he's made all of this for me my faith is the hand that reaches into his super and brings his super into my natural that's really how the whole thing works saved by grace through faith this is a beautiful world to live in because any movements that i'm making are not movements to qualify they're movements to open my eyes The movements, the adjustments that I'm making to my life or my lifestyle or my mindset or my language, I'm not making them so that God will find me worthy of his best. I'm making them because he's already deemed me worthy of his best. He's already provided his best and I can't see it from the position I'm standing in. So I've got to shift my position. Sometimes it's a psychological position. Sometimes it's a faith position. Sometimes it's a language position. Sometimes, sometimes it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's just a different position, but I'm shifting it. I'm making the alteration because I believe it is mine. So Paul says in Romans, he says, look, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Oh my God. Hold on a second. If I gave you a Rolls Royce, what, why do you think I'm struggling to give you a bus ticket or a bicycle? If what I gave you is worth everything, why are you struggling to believe for a smaller thing? Everything else in your life is a smaller thing. 
I'm sorry. I just need to break it down for you. The, the, the job, your dream job, it's a much smaller thing than what God has already done for you. Ooh, help me now, Jesus. You, you, your dream partner, who will be a dream when he or she arrives, how you manage that situation thereafter is another story. But your dream partner is much smaller than eliminating your entire sin debt that you couldn't even have paid for one. And the one disqualified you from the glory zone. This is too deep. Which, which sin disqualified you from the glory zone? One? Or it must be the, back, the big one. Well, what sin disqualified Adam from the glory zone? A fruit. Doesn't sound like a big one, does it? Because big and little ones are our own construction. We, we construct big and little sins. We make that one forgivable and that one acceptable. We make that one, you've got to get out the choir, but this one, you can lead the song. <laughs> we, we, create these, we create this criteria, but the first sin that dislocated humanity was eating a fruit. You can't pay for even one of your sins without dying and second death dying. So for him to take all of them away, there's no car, there's no money, there's no happiness in this life that actually equates to what he's already done. So you know what? I'm actually satisfied with what he's already done. Because like I'm set for life. You understand? I'm set for life. I mean, you know, some, you know, there's a certain feeling of satisfaction when you're set for life. On a physical level, on a financial level, when there's security, when you've built enough, when you've got your pension, you've got your house, you've got your thing, you're set for life. You call it set for life, but it's not set for life. It's just set for the last few years of your journey in this world. But this boy here, I'm set for life, like for all eternity. I'm set. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be peaceful. I'm going to have everything I could ever want for all eternity paid for in full with the blood of Christ. And you want, come on somebody, I'm satisfied with that. The car is a bonus. All the other stuff is extra. Thank you. Thank you. Woo, you can give me a car. To, woo, Glory. But whether I get any of the extras or not, you are Alpha and Omega. Whether I get the other stuff or not, we worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. See, if you're standing in this room, you can't really sing that from your heart because you still don't have all the stuff you want to have. And you're upset and mad at the world and mad at God. But over here in this house, you are Alpha. 
because there's still things in the room I haven't seen yet. There's still things I'm discovering. There's still things I'm exploring. There's all kinds of stuff in this room that's, gosh, and he paid all, he paid it all and set me up for life for all eternity. And, and I'm going to hold back on you. No, I, I dare not ask you for something else until I've taken out the time with my life, with the rest of my life to say thank you for this one big thing right here. This one big thing right here is worth the rest of my life. It's worth my service. You, you can take my talent. You can take my time. You can take my treasure because this one thing over here was bigger than anything else that I could get over here. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Whew. I'm not sure how many of you feel what I'm talking about here today. The place of worship is not a physical location. It's a spiritual one. It's when you become awakened to what God has already done. You have reached a place where worship transcends the song, the atmosphere, the air conditioning, the comfortability of the seats, the, the articulation of the preacher, and all the other comforts. It transcends what you got paid this week or didn't get paid this week, what you have in the bank, what you don't have in the bank, who loves you on this plane and who doesn't. It transcends all of that because what he has already done is enough and yet there's still so much more in the room a new light goes on I see a destiny of greatness a light goes on I see myself becoming a person of influence a light goes on I see the wealth transfer a light goes on I see health and healing in my body. A light goes on. I start to see other things. But even if I never saw those things, the one thing you did already. We give you like to turn this whole church into a mass choir right now if you're ready to join me to get out of that room that room where what he's already done is not enough and come over into the room where what he has already done is enough I promise you'll find a place of worship and you'll meet God in that place of worship everybody all over the sanctuary let's us lift our hands in his presence worship you.
Now I want you to hear me very carefully. This place of worship is very much a place of focus. And it's where you're focusing not on what you don't have, not on what he's about to do, not on what you're going through, but on the one who is worthy of your affection because of what he has already done in love to save your soul. And so this requires sometimes that you close your eyes so that it's no longer about who's looking or how I look. It's about a place in your heart of gratitude, of realization that you are set up for life. <laughs> You're set for life. You have to understand it. You're set for life. Somebody said, oh no, I'm just, I'm just set up for the rest of my physical life. But David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What, what was he saying? He was saying that, look, for some of you, death is the end. But he says, for me, it's just a place I'm going to walk through. And even when I walk through it, he's going to be with me. And on the other side of it, there's going to be a banquet and a feast and a table set before me. And there ain't nothing the enemy can do about it because I'm set up for life. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I didn't pay for it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't pay for none of it. He paid for it. He bought it on the cross. He bought it for me in one single act. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to begin to sing like you're set up for life. You're made for life. You're made, all your eternity is sorted. Glory to God. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop White Malcolm saying God bless you.